Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi everyone, thank you for listening to Redirection with Terry Carell and certainly you would have or should have listened to part two of my interview with Sarika Sterling and um, I hope you found the conversation uh, interesting thus far, certainly a first for Redirection with Terry Carell, you know, having to divide an interview into two parts but what we were hoping is that you would appreciate the essence of her story and that there's so many different touch points and so many different groups and categories of people who could benefit from hearing her story. Now you must be wondering, so how part two agogo? Well, part two is a different uh, part of her journey. And again, it, it, it is rough. And, and just hearing her story, you kind of start wondering, how did she just deal with all of this? So I have to take the opportunity to sensitize my listeners and to put a disclaimer out there that there are, this is a trigger warning, that there are themes and topics uh, surrounding premature birth as well as baby loss. And so I thought it was very important to let some of my listeners know this before listening to part two but i want to also let you know that it's amazing how sarika was able to take this part of her journey and what she experienced in this part of her journey and she put purpose in it and she turned it into something so much bigger than herself and her loss and i just hope that you really take away from this that um you know rejections can be hard and loss can be hard but it is how we respond that really um shows the character of our very inner being and how we can help our communities at large so again thank you for sticking and staying with me right here on redirection with terry carell we start right now and this is in partnership with toyota jamaica you want to get the most out of every minute and every mile of your life that's why toyota is the brand most jamaicans drive for life reliable affordable and durable everything you want from a vehicle toyota delivers enjoy your life's journey with a toyota toyota jamaica let's go places knowledge so at that point no as i said terry i started believing that what i was manifesting was in me all along and i needed to just know that it was there i needed and and you know it took my husband to, to see it mm-hmm. before i did as i always said saw me before i saw myself and what i'm seeing now what i'm doing now is what he saw a long time ago. ago you were just and catching up I'm catching up and this is what I'm invest and, and 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 his investment in me is what brought me here. His investment of time, money, and you know, energy is what took me here. Well, let me tell you, well, let me tell you something. His return on investment. Yeah, <laughs> for the Jamaica Stock Exchange. That me, I tell you. The return <laughs> on investment um yeah, is, is amazing. But he has had- all fire mm-hmm. on the market. So if when I'm working, he's like, Sarika, what else you going to do? What else you want? Because I don't know you can't do other things. But say, no, man. He must say, you should start a business. I'm like, me? Start a business? No, man. I'm going to work. And I'm working. And then when I was leaving EY, you know, which was my first job, he said, we're going to start a business. He said, no, man. You're and not ready for that. You're not business. You understand? I'm not business, somebody. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Man, and you know, I, and I started my other job, and I was working there for another time, and really doing well. And the managers really loved how I, how I was working. And they used to commend me all the time. And I'm at this moment saying, "Yeah, man, yeah, this is not a fluke. I am. I can I do this. 
do this. I got this. You know, and people, you know, see my traits and really liking me. And then it got to the point, no, Terry, where I say, okay, I need to do something else with my life. Because, girl, no things knowing. I remember, me never used to dream. I did a seek knowledge, you know, yeah, seek knowledge. Yeah. I seek because now I got to the point where I felt like, boy, I've learned a lot. I need to start learning some more now. You know, I need to start doing, pushing the envelope. Let me see what else is in there. And I remember going to my husband and I said, boy, Stefan, I want to move on, but I don't know what to do. Like, I yes, feel like yes. I need something more. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he says, why you not start a business? Me saying, come back with this business start. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, I'm saying, you know what? I was so much at that point where I wanted to do something. I'm sorry, you know what? I'm going to see. And he said to me, he said, but, you know, we're going to go back to a one-income family. Yeah, which is fearful. And that's what a lot, that's what keeps a lot of persons stuck doing what they are, you know, safe doing. Yes. So, and he said to me, he, was a, he said to me, he said, Sarika, go ahead and start the business. I will carry the family until you, because I, amazing know, man. I know that you will make a good business person. And that's how much I believe in you. Quit your job, start the business, and I'll take care of the family until the business starts making money. Here it is again. Remember, this is the same thing he did, you know. And when you went to UA. Full circle now. And we say, you know what, I'm going to try a thing. And, you know, take him up on his offer and go there. And again, I wanted to make him proud. Terry. You know what I did? He said, we take care of me. And I said to him, I said, I don't want any money from you right now. Right? Just take care of the bills. I didn't want any pocket money because, you know, he wanted to give me pocket money. And I said, I want a pocket money. More, I feel desperate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and water it and the rain coming so we are no one extra money but me go buy no blows or me go see no shoes no me don't know one more one no some some food and desperate for this thing because I need to ensure that I am making you proud I'm making myself proud and I'm putting my all in it. Me don't want to get too comfortable and that's how I stepped out on my own I left my job zero clients because i was under non-compete contract yes so i could well, i call some people transition when them start a little business funny side and then when it get big no i had to leave this was cold was, turkey cold turkey so december 31st i walked out of that office zero client no office space nothing registered a business senior accounting services we initially wanted it to be sterling accounting services when we got there, they said we couldn't get that name because it was too close. Yes. By domain. Yeah. <laughs> to be another. So, all right, senior accounting services. And that's how the company, the, the business was born. And, and it has been in business since for how many years now? That five years. So January 2 was our five-year anniversary. Congratulations, especially considering you always hear that um, startups and businesses fail between the first three to five years. So congratulations on making it to your five-year mark. Here's how we make it. I'm just coming like a two different podcasts now. <laughs> because <laughs> when I um, when we started on zero, nobody, I was in my living room and didn't even know how to get clients. And then I met up with one of my friends who was in media space. And she said, Sir, you have to go to go network. I'm like, all right, we'll go try so we can do. And Terry, the hardest thing is to network when nobody don't know you. Hmm. And you're new. Absolutely. A lot of people look over, look you to these events and everybody talking to their friends or they want to be around this person because this person popular. And poor, you know, like can I try to seek out one or two people you can go say hi to. I've had experiences where I, you know, walk up and introduce myself to people and then just say two things and just walk off. I've had experiences where we exchange contacts and whenever I email or, um, or message this person. Ghost. Ghost. And you know, that's, and you know, and you know, that's what a lot of persons always talk about in terms of networking. It's extremely intimidating um, because not only that you have to get outside of your comfort zone, you have to put yourself out there. There can't be any fear of rejection and, and certainly... Yeah, yeah, the shame thing is not an easy thing to deal with. So that's the thing. No, I was I'm, I was at this place. I was at this place where I was a lot more confident. So me never shame and nothing. So even if you don't want to answer my emails, when I see you at that net, networking event, me still like to say hi. I say, hi, you remember me? You know, I sent you an email. I didn't get a response most of the time. I'm saying, 
Sometimes it got very demotivating. Sometimes I didn't even want to go anywhere. My friend said, I said, I'm going to put on the clothes and put on the lipstick. And me start researching you know, how to network, how to talk mm-hmm. to people you don't know. And then I found out that all you need to do is just make one contact. So I said, all right, then I'm not going to bounce around the room like no social butterfly. I'm going to scope out the room. I'm going to find one person and I'm going to develop a relationship with that one person. So I started doing some deliberate networking and mm-hmm. you know, trying to connect and still pushing my business. But the one thing that got me through, um, Terry, and it is the most important thing, and for those people who are listening who are in business, this is the most important thing. It's not the networking. It's you being willing to do what you're doing without support. Hmm. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again for the persons in the back. You have to be willing to do what you're doing without support. Why? Because you're not always going to get the support and you cannot stop your business because you don't get the support of a particular person or a particular group. As I told you when I started, my mantra is the train is leaving the station whether you come on it or not. Amen. You know how I did my first uh, my first workshop, Terry? My first workshop was January 2017. And I had close to 90 attendees in Kingston and I had 16 mobile. First, me had a workshop in workshop in I am not popular. There was but those popular numbers are massive, but those numbers are massive. Here's how it happened. I met this lady and she worked at a very popular bank in Jamaica. And she said to me, they're doing a workshop and they would want me to, she would want me to speak. And I say I was very excited because it was a great platform to put myself out there. Terry, me email the woman go. The email are come. <laughs> she responded to any of my emails. Wow. So when I saw her in public or I saw her at an, a, a business event, she would greet me so warmly. And I'm like, somebody look different in my email. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or, or just the audacity, you know, you don't respond to my emails, but you want to be like, hey my name so when she sees me she's like hi sarika and all the ones say is why you answer me email but yeah yeah you know so i said to myself say so when i saw no she had she had the workshop several of them and she never invited me to one wow so I said, you know but i met this a, a, a gentleman in montego bay named gavin and me say let's put on a workshop <laughs> and we started out and you know initially my first flyer, nobody was on it because nobody, we wrote people to sponsor, nobody came on board. And he said to me, well, we're going to just cancel it. You know, nobody now come on board. Yes. You know, I'm going to think we can't do this. I'm going to tell us something. Say, I want somebody come at a workshop. Yeah. We have the workshop. Right? We're going to push. And he said, but nobody now sponsor. I said, they're not office sponsor. We are going to sell this product because we believe in it. We believe that people need financial literacy. Right. We that we have something to offer. We are knowledgeable. We're offering something beneficial. So if nobody come on board, we still are go. Wow. And for the first workshop, we had to do it in Mobe and we did it with um one sponsor. And sometimes that's all you need, you know. One liquor sponsor, not even listen to me. That liquor sponsor, they could have only pay for probably the food up matter. Wow. <laughs> Literally, that the sponsor only paid for the pull-up banner. Right? And we push anyway, we dip on social media, we beg everybody for share and everything. And would yes. you believe that by the time we were supposed to have the one in Kingston, right? We I had people calling me. Wanting to become sponsors. <laughs> Isn't and that how it always is? But sometimes, but Sarika, let me just jump in and let me say a lot of the times you have to put skin in the game. I say it all the time. If we do not show that we're willing to invest in our own business, then what does it say to other persons? When I started this podcast, of course, there was question of do you get a sponsor first? 
Do you get somebody to, to fuel and to power your podcast? And I was like, yo, I'm going to do this out of my own pocket because this is something I believe in and I'm going to invest in. And now, of course, naturally, if people want to sponsor, they see the value, they can, they can come, but they will already come knowing that I created the platform and I've already shown that I will put in the work and the investment regardless. Exactly. And that's what I always tell people. So even after that, I mean, I had several, you know, banks calling, wanting to sponsor and different places wanted to come on and sponsor. Some of them could even sponsor because one of the sponsors that I got kind of blocked it out. And Conflict. Right. And that for me was a big confirmation of what I thought that you have to be willing to push forward without support. The train is going to leave the station. And if you want to hop on, hop on, but it will leave with or without you. That's the kind of energy that you have to bring to your business or it's not going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you do it and it sell off. And then all of a sudden you, yeah. you started getting a lot of clients for senior accounts, senior exactly. accounting services. <laughs> Yeah, I was like clients, and by that time, then I got the triplets. Got wow. pregnant with the triplets. So you are on a roll. So you are on a roll. You're now living the life, meaning you are becoming a full manifestation of what you were always meant to be, but your circumstances and situations did not allow you to develop and live the way you were supposed to. And, you know, it, it, it may, it's bittersweet because sometimes those things have to happen in order for you to become who you are. You know what it I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes they have to happen. And um, one of the other things that came out of it is, you know, as I say, I got pregnant in um, late 2016. So even through the, the webinar, I, the workshops, I was pregnant. But I didn't expect what happened after, which was, as you would know, I went into premature labor lost two of them along the way and had one so for the entire 2017 it was a big wash remember i just started 2016 you know let's get me a little workshop early to january 2017 so i said all right no i'm just gonna have my baby and just jump back in it was not to be i was my god the entire year because you know my kids were in the hospital for four months two of them passed away i went through a very very traumatic near-death experience birth and i'm telling you terry we did the surgery without blood hospital didn't have any blood to do the surgery My, and it's three children it's three babies though and the doctor said listen they they actually said okay we have to try to airlift you overseas because we can't i mean based on what we're seeing we just don't think we can manage we can't we, can't manage keeping you and all these babies alive and you know they say okay we have to contact the air ambulance we have to contact the hospital and you know you need it too so first of all the air ambulance needed ten thousand dollars in hey, us and then the hospital overseas said you have to show us that you can pay for this surgery and i thank god at the time i mean it didn't work out but at the time i had a very very good friend and, you know, she called me and she said, Sirka, don't worry about it. I will pay the $10,000. Wow. 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 I'll pay the 10000 Just relax. Cause you know, them telling me start fret. No, everybody afraid. We don't have that money. We get $10,000 from to, to pay just the air ambulance. Because the air ambulance, we're not moving until we, we get at least somebody to commit to send us that they will send us the $10,000. So Yo, she did. That she is did. an angel. She's an angel. But she's also a reflection. And whenever people step out and help you in big ways, it is a reflection of who you are. It is a reflection yeah, of she is. Uh, you guys know who she is. I won't say her name, but she is a sweetheart. And um, but then it so happened that when they got my file, they said, No way, we're not transporting her. She is too old. You know, um, there's too much going on with her. We can't take her. So the hospital was like, we're going to have to operate here. So they start reading off my, what seemed my, like my last will and testament. Because they came and they said to me, boy, sir, you're having three babies, but we only have one ventilator available. Jesus which means Christ. Need a ventilator, mm -hmm. then 
essentially two of them will die because we only have one what was going what was what was going through your mind and and i'm going to bring in um i'm going to bring in mr sterling as well because a lot of the times when we speak about pregnancies and 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 baby loss you know there's a lot of emphasis on the mother for sure and we understand why how did he manage this as well well i mean at this time i was in um i was in the hospital and it was because well, it I, a matter of fact, it was a surprise. We didn't know that I was going to go into labor so quickly. And he wasn't there. So when he ate, so he came back. And of course, the same thing as the doctors. I couldn't see him because remember, I was in the theater. You can't come in the theater. So he was outside. And I, so I didn't know what he was doing out there. All I know is that everything the doctors told me, they went and told him. And, you know, but afterwards, he said, Serica, I felt like I was going to die because all they're telling me is that maybe you're not going to come out of this. My word. And the babies are not going to. And they were telling me the same thing. At the time, what was going through my mind was, God, please. You know, that's how I'm being. I said, God, please. You know, God, please. And then, remember, this ordeal started from 5.30 in the morning. And by now, it was 10 p.m. It went on all day. I didn't eat. What happened is I couldn't breathe, so my lungs started shutting down. Mercy. The doctors didn't know whether I had a blood clot or something, so I had to do a CT scan, which was not good for the pregnancy. They found out that there was water in my lungs and that my ducts were closing slowly. So that's why I was, was restricting my breathing and I wasn't getting enough oxygen, which means the babies weren't getting enough oxygen. Oh, my goodness. And I also had an infection that seemed very close to entering my bloodstream, which would kill me as soon as it does. I don't even so know. I'm like, I'm hearing you riddle off all those things. And I think like I'm watching one of those medical series. Yeah, like Grey's Anatomy. Like Grey's Anatomy. And I'm just like, what? And so they were, and they were telling me all these things. And they're like, Sarika, you have to prepare yourself. Jesus. And they say, all your babies may die. And sadly you may die we will do our best but we can't guarantee you that you will wake up from this surgery because we are not sure why these things are happening to you and we're not sure when we open you up what we are going to see and you have any last did you have any last thoughts or last wishes where that was concerned i mean i've never experienced anyone telling me hey you know you may not wake up from this can you remember all i was thinking about was my son my husband he was 10 at the time and all I kept thinking was I didn't get to see him I did I, I wouldn't get to say goodbye he I wouldn't get to tell him that it is okay that I love him and that it is okay you know um he I, I didn't know if he was going to be able to handle my death you know what I mean not having like a last hug not seeing me not knowing that I love him and that, you know, it's going to be okay. That is, you know, that that life has, so, like, I just wanted to tell him so much. Wow. But, I, but I couldn't, I wanted to tell him it was going to be okay. And you don't have to be too sad about me dying. Just be great. Just be, you know, have a fun life. I'm here. I'm, you know, I wanted to tell him so many things, but I could because they would not allow him in the theater. They wouldn't even allow my husband. My husband came in when they were actually moving me to, the operating room. Um, and they called him in because they wanted to pray. Oh my goodness gracious. So it was done. So it basically was a wrap. So they came in and they brought in the, the doctors claiming that there were so many doctors there. Like it was like all the doctors that were there were there. And then they call in the anesthesiologist and he explained to me what he was going to do that I couldn't do the regular C, you know, the regular C-section where they just cut you and they had to put me to sleep because I was too ill. So they had to put me to sleep and he had to tell me that you may not wake up. So you have to sign this paper indemnifying me that if I put you on and you don't wake up, then you're It's family. not at fault. He's not liable. And then that was one. And then the doctor now brought another couple of forms and they're like, okay, we have to do the surgery at 11 o'clock. Can't go past that. But with the hospital has no blood. 
and there is no, we can't get any blood from the blood bank or anywhere. Oh my All we have. God. Um, so basically they said, the doctor said to me, Mrs. Sterling, if you go into surgery and you start bleeding out, we will not be able to save you. Jesus, Straight up. Please. Our only option would be to start removing your organs to stop the bleed. Right? So oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Removing your organs? Right. So they would have to like remove my womb or my cervix to start removing things so that they could stop the bleed somewhere. So I had to sign a paper to give them authorization to remove, you know, what it is they need to remove to save my life. You know, my womb or my teens or my, you know, service or whatever it is that they have to remove, you know, to save me because they didn't have any blood to replace the blood if I started um, bleeding out. They only had blood plasma. So I had to sign that off as well. And then they said, okay, let us pray. Oh my god. Listen, you can laugh about it now because you probably had to go through this so many years, but I mean what else are you going to do but laugh at, at this time, point? Exactly, because at the time I said to them and they looked so sad, all the doctors couldn't even hide them emotions. That's how bad it was. They you know doctors normally just they couldn't. Because even one time I said whisper, whisper over one side and I peep and I'm like, oh my god, they look so scared. And I remember I was talking to my husband on the phone and I said, Stephen, they all look so scared. I think something is really wrong, you know? And, you know, and she said to me, are you okay? And I said to her, I said, doc, you know, you guys just have to do what you have to do. I mean, you're not God right now. What is happening is out of your hand. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing probably you can do. So therefore it is in somebody else's hands. It's in God's hands. And if it happens that we almost we all die then it's then that's it is what it is nothing more that can be done there's nothing i could have done and if you go into this surgery and it so happened that i die then but there's then, really nothing i can but then, so let's just leave it in god but then sarika imagine that they go through all of this you see the doom right you see the doom and gloom but then you you give birth you have the three of them. Yes. They are alive. All odds. So relieved. I mean, everything. Couldn't breathe, no oxygen, all sorts of infections, everything. And to wake up and for them to tell me that they're all alive. I was so relieved. And I thought, yeah, man. We made it. the worst. We made it. I never thought that that was just the first. You know, when you're in our hurdle, I am a Olympic race and then reach the second to last hurdle and then wish I did the last hurdle. Yes, ma'am. I wish that was the last hurdle. But then we went on to NICU and as you know, it just got, it was the worst four months of my life. It was never ending. It just felt like one long day that was just running into each other, just running, running, running because I never slept. I never used to sleep. I used to just, just lay down, my eyes open, because I was scared to sleep, especially after my first son died after five days. You know, when he died, it was shock because I thought we were out of the woods. And then we were getting ready to go to bed, and then I saw all these missed calls. Now, when I call you, they said, you have to come now. Eli is very ill. Jesus. I was like, all right. And then my husband, we prayed before we left, and... I remember that drive from downtown Kingston to UA. We never spoke one word to each other. Wow. Just sat in the car and drove quietly to UA. And I remember Celine Dion was playing. I don't even remember the song, but her song was playing on the radio. And it didn't even matter. And I was just driving and I was just thinking how little everything matters to me right now that no. I'm in this city. My word. And up to UA and... When we walked in, the doctor wasn't there yet, but I knew, we knew something was wrong. We knew he had died because his lights in his room was off and the machine was off. So they didn't even have to tell us that he died. We knew. And, you know, we, we got, we took the news. How many months in advance? How many, how many months were there early? Because you did say it was premature. We were like 13 weeks early. They were 27 weeks old. 
So, you know, they were very tiny, like one pound. And, you know, they were in the incubator and on the ventilator. But there's and only one ventilator. Oh, gosh, I forgot that piece of miracle. I woke up to find out that they found two ventilators. What you? Miraculously. What? Miraculously found two ventilators. So all three babies got a ventilator. I and even know. then, and even then, even with I all that, that was the indication, I was like, yeah, man, that is the indication that everything is going to be okay. But it was not to be because he passed away from a pneumothorax. That's where his lung popped. Um, it was a side effect of the medication that he would get to go on the ventilator. And that killed him. I didn't look at him. They, they asked me if we wanted to see him. And I didn't know how I was going to handle it. So I said, no, I don't want to see him. I want to remember him, how he was when I left him that morning. Sarika, can yeah. I ask you a question? Let me ask you a question. How do you process? And I mean, I'm asking this question because I don't, I mean, I don't know who in the community might need to hear this. But how do you process you know, waking up and seeing all three against all odds. Then you lose one, but you still have two. So you are mourning the death of one while still clinging to the hope that the other two will be okay. Then you lose the second one while still grieving and mourning the death of the first, while now for sure clinging to the very little hope that there might be for the third. How on earth do you process all of that and do you even process it you don't i never processed it i i was just going day to day because i was waking up not because of anything night just turned to day day turned to night and i just move i just go to the hospital i prayed until i stopped praying I stopped praying in the truth, in the sense of, you know, a formal prayer and just started saying, God, you know what I want. Or, and then it turned into whatever it is that is to come of this, just let it come of this. You know, it, 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 your prayer changed over time because first you're hopeful you're praying that, um, you know, they all survive and that with the first one that you're like, okay, let the second one survive. And then when he's getting sick and everything, you're like, so clearly my prayer isn't working. For their survival and my prayer is not what is going to save them. That's where I got to, you know, and I know a lot of Christian people will say, boys, you call me lose faith. I never lost hope in the possibility that my children would live. I wanted nothing more but for them to leave. I clung on to every single shred of hope that I could find. But they still did not live. You know? And Terry, a lot of people said to me, you know, when I talk to them and I tell them, they say, you're praying hard enough? You know, wow. some people go as far as that. You're, you're kidding me. No, 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 no. You're kidding. People say... You know, I wonder if God is punishing you for something that you did. This one lady, she looked at me and she she go and tell me that I should have told her so she could have tell her pastor to pray for me because anybody her pastor pray for live. And um, Sarika, <laughs> let me tell let me tell you something. It's important for us to have these conversations because I think a lot of the times people do not know how insensitive and how ignorant a lot of their comments are. Um, from wanting to touch a pregnant lady's belly, who is a stranger, whether she's a coworker or what, you know, to, 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 to passing remarks with no place. They have no place to pass those remarks and to not be sensitive to what you guys might be going through. And I hope that this will be a lesson for those persons who might be listening, that whenever someone, if you should ever meet or know someone who has gone through the trauma that you have gone through, that they will know when to shut their mouths, to bite their tongues. Oh, yes. And I can tell you some of the things that they would say. They would say stuff like, at least you have one. 
Give me that least I have one. They are not replaceable. It's not one, it's not one or three. They're all independent of each other. There are three kids that I was looking forward to raising. So don't tell me that at least you have one, like, like, like we didn't have two party and one drop. You know? You know, so they'll say stuff like that. At least you have one. Some people now have none. Um, you know, um, you, you know, you, you probably never pray hard enough. Like you Christian people just need to cut that out, you know, and stop making people believe that, you know, it's because of their prayer. Why? You know, maybe God not hear them or something that they yeah. do. What brought me through this was understanding that these things happen. Hmm. You could have rich. It happens to the best of us. And I think being there for the four months is what really brought all of this to light and why I'm so passionate about the Premier Foundation because being there for the four months, Terry, I saw rich people, poor people, Christian people, Worldian people, who does our two rubber and teeth. Mm-hmm. Like one of the ladies that were there with me, her husband was a pastor. Couple, couple good, proper Christian pass through there couple really downtown ghetto, not really downtown, but really ghetto people pass through there. Some real poor people pass through there and some really rich people pass through there. And I'm like, so this have no respect the man. Hmm. So therefore, it's not only about my prayer. It's just something that happens and it happens around the world. It happens to a lot of people and it has no respect for man so therefore all we have to do is to just help each other get through this mm-hmm. just like we help each other get anything else how did you and mr sterling manage it manage the process we didn't terry we did not i'm not going to tell anybody out there who's going through this right now that they can't process it you can't mm-hmm. while your child is living in an icu and every other day you go the, the, the doctors are telling you we are not sure he's going to make it. There is no way to process that. You just mm-hmm. exist in day by day. You're just going there because he's still there. A part of you probably don't even want to face it, but you have to face it because this is your reality. Yeah. So when the situation come up on you, you have to face it. You can't say me not go back to the hospital. Maybe one or two people decide to them not go back because we were there when actually... I think a mother abandoned her daughter or something like that because they were Ill, ill. But you don't process it, Terry. You process it afterwards. While you're going through, you just go through it. You just pray say today, him no get worse. That's yeah. your prayer. I'm not making it worse today. But the but the last one, the third one, held on though. He held on. He, he held on. Yeah, man, he, he was a fighter and him fresh. He made fresh for a month. <laughs> Yeah, man, he was fresh because when he was born, like he slept for the first month. Like, I mean, I've never, I didn't see his eye open. And when you go there and touch him, he kick you. And then he tried to put your hand in his, you know, when you put your hand in the palm of a child's hand, they, they, they co- yeah, they, they, they ball a fist. Not this one. This one, let it go. <laughs> so he was a little fire, you know, a little firefighter, you know, he was fighting off the nurses with him little hand and making beer noise and you know like not he couldn't he couldn't hear him but he was always screaming for some reason or the other um but he fought and he hung on and I really thank God for it and as I always tell people I feel like God just came through at the right time mm-hmm. because I was actually thinking I was going to die any minute I just felt like I was just going 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 and one day my heart, my heart going to just give out and I'm going to die because Terry you don't understand what it's like to be going back to imagine like if somebody died for you you can choose not to go back to that place right but most of the All times right. if maybe your mom died at the hospital or your sister or something you decide that i'm not going to go back to the hospital until i process this feeling all right you know until i get over it we never had that choice our son died today we had to go back there tomorrow we had to pass his room we had to pass his bed we had to look at his things and we had to be in the same space that two of our kids died and then to be going there every day to this child that is hanging on to life hoping that him hang on while fearing the worst while hoping for the best because the worst is so much to me the worst was so much closer than the best to tell you the truth because imagine two out of one two out of three 
You know what I mean? You can't just imagine how he felt. And then you go there and every day something is wrong with him. He had Klebsiella, meningitis. Um, he is, his right lung collapsed. And when that healed up, the left lung collapsed. Collapse. He, at one point, him couldn't eat. He couldn't eat on the food. So they had to be giving him some artificial feeding. He was um, locked away in the room. He was septic at one point. Jeez. Um, name it. It didn't happen to him. There's just so many scars from near so long. You go there and wanted to shave off him head and put a needle in it. You know, it, it's, trust me, the things that you see in an EQ is not pretty. Hmm. So you don't process it, Terry. You don't ever process it. But let me ask because, you this. Let me ask you this, though, because you still said, even after everything you said, God passed through at the right time. So let me ask you this. How is it that you were able to not hate God in this process? <laughs> Let him have some strong conversation. Honest, <laughs> <laughs> it's honest. Yeah, man, we talk strong, you know, couple times to him in our conversations. We had some strong conversation, and I, I did get to that point where I was like, no, man, it can't be that God exists if this is what he's going to allow to happen to people. Mm -hmm. And I think at the same time, there were a lot of things going on. There was war, I think, in some Middle Eastern country where the babies were being gassed. I remember vividly that uh, a two-year-old shot himself in Portmore with his father's gun and an 11-year-old died somewhere downtown by some drive-by. And, you know, all of those things start becoming very pronounced to you because you're yes. like, so, well, that's a watch we just a Anything that's happened to we, you know mm. what I mean? And I did not lose my faith in God. What it did, it gave me um, what I would call the, the right perspective. It, 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 it opened my eyes to what was there all along. Mm. That we are really not here for our own purpose. We are here to serve a purpose. And that purpose is outside of us and most of the times outside of what we want. So, you know, me going through this experience and, you know, my, my babies, you know, dying, there was a reason for it and I may not see it ever, but it did serve some kind of a purpose, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, lots of people will probably look at it like, that's what you had to tell yourself, but it's fine if that's what you have to tell yourself. Yeah, My faith was always... I did waver. I did, you know, as Mrs. talk hard to him. Um, but I came right back, even all, after all that loss. And I came to the realization that, Serika, you have a purpose here. The fact that these, you, you got pregnant when you didn't, you weren't looking to get pregnant. Yes. None of those things you caused on yourself. You never got a gas shock or bad triplets. It happened to you. Um, and then for this to be happening, it means that this is just what needs to happen now. This is what yes. is happening to you now. And these two kids, even though they passed, they would have served their purpose. Whether it would be to strengthen you or it would it could be have been because sometimes our experiences in a terrible is what I got from this. Sometimes our experiences is not for us. True. Sometimes our experiences somebody else. Absolutely. So what I clung on, okay, this happening, I met so many people and what happened to them is going to change so many lives. That was their purpose. And thus the Peter Foundation was birthed. Yes, because I said to myself, I'm going through my job moment. I'm, I'm going through my job moment again. And this may be a very attest to see, you know, how much do you understand hmm. that you have a purpose to serve and that purpose is outside of you. Sometimes there's going to be things that are going to happen that is going to benefit someone else. And this may just be one of them. And I said to myself, I am not going to let this situation win. And this situation winning would be me walking away from it and not ensuring that 
I turned it around to something good. Yes. Yes. You know, and I said to myself, this situation will not win. I am not going to break. I mean, I got suicidal. Honestly, I got very close to depression, you know. And every time I got there, I said, Sirka, you can't make it win. You're coming from far. You've been through so much. This situation cannot break you. Because I really considered killing myself. I did. Because I said, I needed to go where my other two kids were. I needed to go and take care of them. You know? Oh, and Sarika, you have you have more to do here. And the fact that you woke up, the fact that you didn't die in surgery meant that you are supposed to be here. Absolutely. So you have a 10-year rule and you have this one who you're still clinging on to. And I said, you know, how am I going to ensure that this experience that I went through, other persons understand the experience and that other persons don't have to go through it alone because when i was going through it i couldn't find anything no resources materials nothing there was nothing that spoke about prematurity and about premature births and how difficult it was yet still i was at the hospital where the doctors told me it was a common thing and i couldn't find anybody who has ever experienced it in jamaica and i was like but people need to know that, you know, this is, this happens and, and we are not equipped for it. And, and the conversations don't happen or they're not public or they're whispers. It's, it's a lot. Because after I came out of the hospital, I spoke to a lot of people who told me that they had premature kids. These are people I know for years. And I'm like, I would never thought you had a premature child. And they say, yes, the child died. And I'm like, so nobody's talking about this? And then we know I'm at the hospital and doctors are saying that most hospitals don't have ventilators and they don't have equipment. I met this one lady. She was there for the second time. Her first baby died because she couldn't get a ventilator. And here she was again with a ventilator. And then a colleague, another colleague of my husband, both their kids died. They had twins and the hospital never had a baby. Mercy. Like, so these things are happening and nobody's talking about it. So I said... That is what I need to do. People need to hear about this. People need to understand the emotional and the physical and the mental and the financial impact because I left you with a $3.8 million bill. Wow. Let me forget $3.8 million from, you know? So people need to, uh, to know that this is happening and that our hospitals are not equipped, that people don't have the money to pay for pay these bills and that people's children are dying because we don't have the resources to give them a fighting chance. And one of the reasons why I was able to work through this terror was because my kids had a chance to survive. Yes. yes. Imagine yes. the parent who the child never got that opportunity, who was told, you know, we can't save your child because we don't have a machine. It's much harder for them to process it. I don't know how I would have. I mean, I probably would have, but I don't know how I would have handled it if they didn't get a chance. They got a chance. And for me, the Premier Foundation wants to ensure that every child get that chance. That if your child is going to pass, it's not because... Of a lack of equipment or resources. Yes. And, and, what is the, and what is the website for persons who might be, you know, very interested and they want to, 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 to touch bases? What is that, what is that website? website? Website will be um, will be coming on stream um, in February because we're building it out now. Um, but our 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 premium page is the premium foundation of Jamaica, and okay. we're on Instagram, and um, we are also on Facebook. So persons can message us. Our page is open. They can send us email. Our email is there. Our phone number is there. They can reach out to us. So we what we try to do is to one raise awareness about premature births in Jamaica. We try to raise funding for medical equipment. Our project this year will be at the uh, Princess Margaret Hospital in Tain Thomas. Yes. We're in talks with them now because, believe it or not, we're in 2020 and that hospital does not have a nursery. Not even at the queue, you know, a nursery. Meaning... Say that again? Hold on. So when mothers have babies... Um... It's children's ward. Which they're not supposed to. They're supposed to go to a nursery where only babies are kept. So they're on the ward with children who are ill, with all sorts of illnesses. 
they're they're there so you know um, wow in 2021 wow so that's one of the projects that we want to embark on in 2021 to to help them to to, to build a nursery not even on the queue because you know the queue is different yes and a nursery is just a space where they a sterile environment for newborns to to be um, taken care of and observed until they can go home. And NICU now is where critically ill babies are treated. So but they don't even have that. But they don't even have that. So what's happening now is that whenever you have a premature baby or whenever you have a baby that is critically ill, they have to transport them from St. Thomas to Bustamante. And you know, St. Thomas Road is nice. So can you imagine having so having a baby who's critically ill who needs a ventilator right now or needs a particular uh, medical equipment right now and you have to take them from all the way down to St. Thomas Bottom I just think it's interesting as I hear you speaking and I'm seeing your passion um, through the screen. It's It's just amazing how... We speak about redirection and that's the whole reason why this podcast is called redirection and sometimes redirection is not necessarily a job or a career you know a lot of the times it could literally be something that's really heartbreaking such as the loss of a child to spurn to 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 to, to birth something like a foundation to help others right and and that's the thing and that's my way of winning this negative situation and, you know, for persons out there, that's what I want to give them. I've been through a lot of negative situations. And as you can tell, sometimes when you go through a negative situation, you either become negative. Yes. Or you can turn it into a positive situation. As much as you can try to make it a positive one, because your situation or whatever happened to you does not define you. It's not happening to you because you deserve it. It's not happening to you because God don't love you. And it's not happening to you because it's your lot. It's happening because that's just what life. Happens. It's just it's life. Just, bad things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. So don't take it on as your cloak, right? Always try to push through. Always try to flip it into something positive. And you don't flip it overnight. It may mm-hmm. take years. And but just keep going. And is he still a fighter? I never got his name. I got the name of the, the second yeah. child, Eli. Um, what's, he, what's his it's name? Eli. It was Eli, Adam, and Seth. Eli, Adam, and Seth. And the one who is the fighter. Seth. Seth. And how so is Seth, Seth doing? Seth is, do, is still a fighter. <laughs> Good. But Set means the appointed, and I yeah. really think he's appointed. And him give bear trouble. <laughs> <laughs> he is strong, and him love lick, him hand light, love lick, he love scream, he love throw tantrums. But he's the sweetest. I mean, he loves kissing and hugging. Like when I go home now, me can't move. Me have to sit on and him go throw him foot up on me and him go rub my nose and rub my face and come kiss, kiss. He's very sweet, but him rough bad. Really? Well, he well, 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 what I will say is that he has a hell of a story to share. I look at him every day and I'm like, boy, when I get to tell you this story and, and you know, you, 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 you will really appreciate you being a fighter, you know? And... With that being said, it comes to another point um, in the premature journey is that the fight doesn't end when you leave the NICU. Yes. It continues. Because, you know, the, the, the hospital give them up until I think they're up to age five. They have to constantly look at them because anything can, you know, they, they, they aren't fully developed and they have right. to just watch. So for him, he has a, he has a what they call a global delay. So he, a global delay. Right. So the, what that means is that he does everything late. So he's still catching up. Yeah. Even but, though he's but 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 if, but if there's anybody he can learn from about catching up, it is his mom. Don't. So I'm not, you know, I I'm 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 pushing him. I'm there. I got you to know man. Every day I'm talking to him because he's talking, but he's not really making, you know, sentences. Yes. So he's a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes you walk and you look like you're wobbling, but yeah, 
I I look at him and I'm like, you are going to be great. That's all I'm seeing. You're going you're to be great. So you know you can't talk now. I'm still, I'm looking at him and I'm seeing the day when I've got him to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that as well. My, I, I, I have, I have two questions. After you, you know, you've poured out and you've poured out a lot, and you have, you have actually spoken about the different ways in which you have been redirected and how you've managed those redirections, right? What's next for somebody like you who's been through it all and has survived it all and just levels up each and every time? Like, what's next for Sarika, honestly? Um, okay, first of all, I'm praying that God not put me through no more job moment. I agree. I let us let us seal it up. Let us seal it up in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't want to go through any more. I, I have accepted that I'm a fighter. I've mm-hmm. accepted that accepted that I am strong. I am strong. And I can say that to be that I am strong. I sit and I look back at the things that I have gone through and I'm like, boy, Sarika, you're strong, man. You know? And I appreciate that strength. So for me right now, I think this experience has what it has done to me, it has brought another level of clarity. Hmm. And I that level of clarity is what made that pushed me in my business. Yes. Experience that I have, Terry, I try to learn from it. And I don't just learn from that experience for that. I learn from it for life. Yes. Cliche as it may sound, one, life is short. So therefore, go forth and do. Mm-hmm. I don't wait. So I don't procrastinate. I do. Come to my head and I say, you know, someone under this, my you staff cannot tell me can't get it. You do. I'm, so I've become, it has made me a doer because it, 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 what, it get, what it showed me was that life don't wait on you to make up your mind. Life don't wait on you for the perfect moment. It doesn't. Life is just going. And whenever that time comes, life goes just happen. So why are you waiting on life? Don't wait on it. Do what you have to do now. If you want to step out and start a business, start a business. You want to do this, sit down, plan it out and do it. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to wait until I work for five years or I'm going to wait. On. If it's not a part of your plan, don't wait. <laughs> Just do it. That's made me a doer. And I think that what, that's what has made the difference in my company, in my business. That all of 2017, we don't do anything. We came back on stream 2018, 2019, and in 2020, a lot of people know who Senior Accounting Services is. Look at 2020, that. January, I got a, an email from an international firm, Anderson Global. I've never contacted these people. I don't know them. Anderson was, Arthur Anderson was one of the big five firms in the world. And they have rebranded themselves after you know, the Enron scandal. And those people reached out to me and they said, Mrs. Sterling, we want to partner with your firm in Jamaica. And I'm like, Fifimi firm? (laughs) (laughs) You are way too modest. You are way too modest. You need to stop being so modest. That's what. No, no, no. Honestly, Terry, every time these things happen, it shocked me. You know, shock other people, but it shocked me. When I went on the call, I said to the lady, I said, how did you hear about me? Mm-hmm. I said we did our research. We have been doing our research for a few years. We wanted to enter into the Caribbean and we started researching firms in the Caribbean and we look at the individual behind the firm and make a determination as to who we would like to partner with in that particular country. And your firm is the firm that came out on top. Clothes and skirt. And because because at the time I was saying to her, I said, do you want me to send you, um, you know, some information on the company and, you know, some, uh, some information on myself? And she said, no, we have all the information that we need. We have done extensive research. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that is that is because I was just working in the urgency of no, you know, I said, do. I'm just like, I'm going to do everything to the best of my ability. I'm going to give it 100 percent. And I'm going to build this firm. I wasn't looking for any international partnership, but these people saw me, 
you know, and 2020 was just like a bust-out year for senior accounting services. We got that partnership, and then I got awarded the boss lady of the year from JBDC. The foundation got so much recognition for what we have been doing since 2017, you know, taking baby steps in building out, you know, you know, our mandate and everything. And I mean, 2020 may not have been a blessing for a lot of people, but for me, it it, it was a culmination of all the, all the hard work from 2016 and from 2017 come all the way you now. And I'm really happy for the recognition. And I'm really happy, you know, and appreciative to you for allowing me to share this story. Are you kidding? As you said to me when we were talking, you know, people need to hear this, you know. And if it encourages even one person, I am happy. Let me tell you, you know? something, Sarika. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me say thank you to you. Because just like how you said earlier, when you were looking for resources and you were looking for material and you were looking for that support, it never existed. And you represent a lot of persons who don't have a good family structure when they're starting out. You represent a lot of persons who start out in parts of Jamaica and other parts of the world who don't have dreams and aspirations simply because they are limited, not by vision, but by what they are exposed to. You represent a lot of students who got through school and may seem like they're acting out and they may seem like class clowns and they may seem as if they're not no manners, but because there is a deep rooted issue that a lot of people do not take the time to ask and we're happy that you're sharing your story because although you represent those people you still represent hope you still represent um and you speak about the persons like your husband like mrs reed the the, the dean at ue who are just one and two people but they're the one and one cocoa that filled your basket when you needed it to be filled and now, at the end of the day, what you did was you bet on yourself. What you did was you bet on yourself, mama. And what you and your husband did is that you still created um, a space for each other and for others who are going to hear your story. And now I understand, even though I met you two years ago, I understand why I remembered you two years later. Because to me, you are not invisible. You are never invisible. And that you have so much more to do, so much more seeds to plant. And I am more than happy to partner with you as you, 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 you try to, to make the different changes, the positive impact in these different um, uh, hospitals. And I just want to say, baby girl, I am so proud of you because you could have been defined by so many of the negative, but instead you took the little positives and you turned it out into something big. And now I can understand why you may be one of those persons who when people read the Jamaica Observer and they saw the 2020, you know, list of the women, the top 20 women who made the biggest impact, you might have been a name that people did not recognize at that time. But certainly, let me tell you something, they shall remember it now. I thank you. I thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, thank you so much for this platform. I really think that it will, you know, provide that resource, just like how I was looking for the resources for the Premier Foundation. Um, I hope that it will act as a resource for persons out there who are looking to, you know, for some glimmer of hope, something to tell them that they can do this. And based on the, you know, the podcast that I've listened to, that's what this um, podcast is about. And I'd encourage persons to listen to it, you know, and pray that you'll continue to through this to touch others' lives and to help them to elevate their way of thinking and you know so that they can take their right place in society my word of just being great my word thank you so very much so my darling i i i i don't even have to i don't even have to ask it i don't even have to wish it i know that 2021 will be an amazing year i can't wait um to work with you so that you can get my life together get my affairs and my accounting <laughs> together my word my word for 2021 is actually structure and um i told you that i'm not doing anything until i get structure and i think account an accountant um is it has to be on that list and so i can't wait to work with you and i can't wait to meet mr sterling because let me tell you something big ups to him big ups to your union and your love and to your sons, may God just continue to encamp around and about you. May there be abundance and prosperity and may he clear your path 
of all the obstacles that might be there. And may you guys continue to work together in peace and with love and with understanding. This is what I wish for you, not just for 2021, but just beyond. Thank you so very much for your time. And to the listeners who I'm going to say thank you for your patience and thank you for trusting that if you see this in two parts, it's because I think you are worthy of listening to a story that deserves it's two parts. So again, thank you so very much, guys. Remember to use the hashtag redirection with TK. Continue to send your messages. Continue to give me your words of encouragement. We all need it in order to continue. And just continue to give us the, the reviews just so that we can encourage other people. This was the great Mrs. Sarika Sterling, me senior. And we thank yes. you so very much for your time and your story my darling all the best thank you take care now